The title of this message is Faith Acts. Faith Acts. Now, let's just look in the book of James. We all know the scripture. I'm going to read it quickly as a basis. But there's other things I need to get to as we go along. Right, the book of James 2, 14 to 20. Well known. James 2, 14 to 20. What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? Rhetorical question, profits them nothing, okay? Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, You have faith, and I have works. Show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that there is one God, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. But do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Do you see that faith was working together with his works, and by works faith was made perfect? And the scripture was fulfilled which says, Abraham believed God, Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. You see then that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. Likewise, was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out another way? For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. Now, when we did this, it took a lot of trouble to explain something, all right? Because if you read Romans and you see what Paul says, he says, you cannot substitute faith with works. It's faith and faith alone. That's his message, all right? Faith and faith alone. So it seems to be a contradiction. It seems to be a contradiction. Very often you'll find in the Bible what seems to be a contradiction, but it is not, if you understand it properly. That's why we need to have context. That's why we need to be continually studying the Word of God. Amen? If you don't have the right paradigm, you can get on the wrong track, all right? So please, you see, Paul was saying that you can't get saved without faith. You see, your works can't help you. And you see, the difference is, Paul was talking about our eternal salvation. Our eternal salvation is a gift from God. You cannot earn it. Amen? If you try to earn it, you undermine it. You demean it. It's very much like, Imagine your parent gave you a beautiful gift on Christmas Day, and you said, Thanks, Dad. Now, um, how many times must I do the garden for you to pay for the gift? Can you see? That's foolishness, isn't it? And you're actually insulting the person who's giving you the gift if you say, How much must I pay for it? So you can't say to God, Thank you for eternal salvation. What must I do to earn it? There's nothing you and I can do to earn eternal salvation. All right? There's nothing. You have to receive it just by faith alone. You have to. That's the only way you and I can experience eternal salvation. I'll never forget the moment I got saved, I realized something. For me to have tried to have done this on my own, it would have been like me trying to jump from the earth to the moon. I had that vision so clear in my mind. What God had done for me was a gift of God. But now here comes James and says, faith without works is dead. But you see, he's talking about something else. Paul's talking about eternal salvation, the fact that you and I get saved. All right? But the same word saved also has the implication of ongoing salvation. Amen? Ongoing salvation. 
ongoing, as some translators put it, sanctification. And that takes work, effort. You've got to do something. You can't just sit back and say, oh, I was saved in, in my case, 1977, so I'm fine. Something's got to change, you see. And it's an ongoing process of sanctification, being made more like him in his image. That takes work, so you have to do something about it. The truth of the matter is, the two are connected. It's one thing getting saved, all right? Sanctification takes effort. And can I just say this? If we lose our sanctification along the way, it's quite possible that we also lose our salvation. A very wise woman of God put it this way. To get saved will cost you nothing. To serve him will cost you everything. Can you see the contrast? Getting saved costs you nothing. But really serving him, making him Lord, will cost you everything. And we need to understand that as Christians. You can't earn your salvation. Don't try. You see, when we get it confused, we end up trying to earn our salvation through works, and then there's fear in it because we think if we haven't done enough works, we might not get saved. You understand? That's foolishness, and that's destructive. And then you have people crawling on the floor on their hands and knees. Like Barry said, he was next door to the Catholic church. He had a long driveway, and here comes this man. He parks his car outside there, and he comes on his knees up to him, thinking he's the priest, you see, coming to get forgiveness. And Barry said, wrong person. He's next door. <laughs> so he went through all this process of hurting his knees for nothing. For nothing. <laughs> he was very angry, very angry about it. You know, you've been deceived yet. But it, what he didn't realize, he didn't have to do it anyway, whether it was the priest or anybody. You don't have, you can't earn your salvation, you receive it. You can't earn forgiveness, you just receive it. However, the issue is once you've had that forgiveness, that salvation, what do we do with it? You understand? And my point is, if it's really real to you, that salvation, you have to do something about it. Do you get it? You can't just sit back and do nothing about it. Say your father gives you this beautiful car for your 21st birthday, all right? You get this beautiful car for your 21st birthday. How would your father feel if he just left it in the garage and just looked at it? He was thinking, my days of carrying everybody else around are over, you see? Little did you think that you're just going to look at it. Well, that's salvation for you. If it's real, you do something about it, you see. You have to. You are constrained to do something. When I got saved, let me just say this. It was such a radical experience in my life. Everything changed. I realized I can't just go on as I am. I can't. It's impossible. I can't do it. Do you understand? Because of the reality of that salvation. Sadly, a lot of people get saved in maybe a mass crusade and it's an emotional experience. Back home, life as usual. You see, it shouldn't be that way. It shouldn't be that way. We've experienced people that stay the course, have always been people who have had that personal encounter with the living God. That personal encounter. They didn't get saved in a process of intellectual agreement. Now you can get saved in a process of intellectual agreement, but it's important to push on, push on, push on. And let me tell you, if you are serious, God will come along and he'll show himself to you in a wonderful way. All right, in a wonderful way. But I want to speak about faith acts, and I need to just explain something very, very important. You see, if we understand faith, what faith is, the reality of it. You see, faith isn't just a feeling. Faith isn't just an emotional experience. Faith isn't a state of mind. It isn't a state of intellectual acquiescence. Faith is a state of total conviction. I mean, total conviction. Real faith inside you and my heart, 
results in total conviction. You don't have any doubt whatsoever. You understand? It's not a case of, oh, I'd like that to happen. That's not faith. That's wishful thinking. Don't get it confused. Faith is a substance, a heavenly substance. When there's sufficient of it in your and my spirit, we know that we know that we know. Can't explain it any other way. But you see, the point is, the moment that we know that we know that we know, we have to do something. Amen? We have to do something. Faith acts. You can't just say, oh, I know that, I know that, I know. Wonderful. Whoop-dee-doo. Can you see that? Now, I want to show a few examples in the Bible. Well-known scriptures, we love them very dearly in this church. I love them indeed. In the book of Mark, which I've been studying quite deeply. Let's go to the first one. Mark 2 verse 5. Now, Mark is the doing gospel, if I can put it that way. Mark is the doing gospel. Mark was from Greek extraction. He wasn't a Hebrew. He was a hanger-on. Quite interesting, the story of Mark. But he just saw all these things happening. He was part of it. And a few years later, he wrote about it. The first person to think about documenting it. And he was speaking from personal experience. He was there on the spot. You can see it. And he wrote about these events as though they were really happening to him. Again, he was reminiscing in a way. Let's go to this wonderful scripture, Mark 2 verse 5. Well, I'll go from verse 1. And again he entered Capernaum after some days, and it was heard that he was in the house. I don't know what the house was, whose house it was, but obviously it was a place he often frequented. So everybody heard, oh, he's in the house again, let's go. You see, immediately many gathered together, so that there was no longer room to receive them, not even near the door. Now, wouldn't that be lovely? This place was so crowded, you had to stand out in the parking to get you. But anyway, and he preached the word to them. Amen. Then they came to him, bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. You all know the story. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, guess what they did? They climbed up. Now just think about it. They took this paralytic, this lump of humanity on a stretcher. The four of them got onto the roof and hoisted the thing up. That's a lot of effort, isn't it? But they didn't stop there. They got to the place where they thought was the main part of the room, and they started to remove the tiles. Can you believe it? That's a bit of a cheek, isn't it? Imagine somebody, we hear a noise in the roof, and then suddenly somebody saws a big hole and a paralytic comes down there. Just think about it. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. So when they had broken through... <laughs> They're desecrating somebody else's home. So when they'd broken through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. Now listen to the response. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven you. Now there's another story the priests get all upset about, but eventually the man picks up his bed and goes home. He gets what his friends wanted. But notice something. They said to him, your faith, your faith has carried the day. Now what I'd like to do, just a little bit of exercise here. Instead of that word faith, let's put the word determined. Amen. I'm just changing the scripture for a time to prove something. Do you think it would make sense to put the word determination? Do you think so? Yes or no? Yeah, of course. I mean, they lifted this thing up, all the effort to... Imagine getting a paralytic onto the roof. Dead weight. And then dead weight and then breaking through the roof. Breaking through. That was a service to be remembered. That was an interruption. Far worse than Helena. Helena. In the middle of the service. Phone would go and she was Portuguese. Hello, hello. 
So we'll stop and wait for it. Well, this was even worse because the roof had caved in. But he said, your faith has saved you ultimately. I just want us to use this as an exercise. Your determination. Would that be fair to say? What did they demonstrate? Great determination, did they not? Great determination. They didn't say, oh, there's a crowd. It's going to be difficult. Look, let's wait for another day. Did they do that? No, they were determined to get him to the Lord. Do you see that? They were determined to get him to the Lord. Now, I'm not saying determination and faith are the same thing. Please don't get me wrong. But they're closely connected is my point. And I want to explain something very important here. You see, they were determined to get him and they eventually got him there. And guess what? Hey, presto, bingo, whatever you want to say, the whole thing turned around. And the owner of the house must have thought, well, you know, my roof's going to take a bit of time, but I couldn't care less. A man has been restored to full health. Can you imagine the rejoicing? This man that everybody probably knew as a beggar on the side of the street, on his stretch or whatever, now picks up his bed and walks. That's awesome, isn't it? And just sad that the priest got their bowels in a knot, but let's leave it at that. So just bear in mind, this situation, these men demonstrated great determination. You see that? Determination. Let's look at another scripture. We all know this one very well. Okay, let's go to Mark 5.25. This is the wonderful woman with the issue of blood. All right, now, we know the story. She had this issue of blood 12 years. The Lord comes in, I think it's Jericho, but there's a crowd around him. That's the important thing. There's a crowd. There's a massive crowd around him. If you've ever been in a crowd, you know that it's quite frightening because you have to go with the crowd. You lose your will, in a sense. A big crowd is a very treacherous place to be, let me tell you. But there's this crowd around him, and there's this woman with the issue of blood. Okay, now, we've been through this so many times, she had everything going against her. Most of all, physical condition. If you have had a loss of blood, you become very weak. She'd had that for 12 years. Imagine how weak she must have felt. She was also broke, so she couldn't have had much food to eat, so she was in a mess physically. Not only physically, psychologically, mentally, etc. And here there's this crowd. But listen to what she says. I'll read from verse 25. Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years and had suffered many things from many physicians. <laughs> she had spent all that she had and was no better but rather grew worse. When she heard about Yeshua, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. Now listen to this. For she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Do you see that? I shall be made well. That's her thinking. Can you see that? Now what I'm trying to say is, she gets healed, and what does the Lord say to her? You touch me, right? Verse 34, and he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Once again, would we be wrong to say, daughter, your determination has made you well. Can you see that? Despite everything, you pushed through the crowd, and you got to me in your condition, and you did you grab the talit, as they call it, and the healing flowed. What did he say to her? Daughter, your faith has made you well. Daughter, your determination to get hold of me has made you well. Can you all see that? This whole attitude of determination is very much part of the substance of faith. And I'm going to explain it in a bit more detail. Let's go to one more scripture in Mark 10.46. This is blind Bartimaeus. All right, you all might remember blind Bartimaeus. Timaeus means a rejected one, one under a curse. So a blind Bartimaeus is the son of a one under a curse. Can you imagine? Generational iniquity must have come down on him in a bad way, probably in the form of blindness. 
So from verse 46, Now they came to Jericho. As he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great multitude, once again, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the road begging. And when he heard that it was Yeshua of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Yeshua, son of David, have mercy on me. Now listen to what happens. Then many warned him to be quiet. Right, Bartimaeus, you're only a beggar. Sit down, shut up. This is not for you. Can you see the mentality? That's human nature, right? That's human nature. Don't make a fool of yourself. Am I right? How many times have you and I not done the will of God because you're so scared of making a fool of ourselves? That's the nature of the devil. But anyway, he doesn't listen to them. Right? So, then many warned him to be quiet, but he cried out all the more. You see that? All the more. Son of David, have mercy on me. And eventually the Lord hears him. So Yeshua stood still, right? He obviously hears his voice above the crowd, the hubbub. He stops him and commanded him to be called. All right? Then they called the blind man, saying to him, Be of good cheer, rise, he is calling you. Throwing aside his garment, he rose and came to Yeshua. So the Lord answered and said to him, What do you want me to do for you? We've been there before. The blind man said to him, Rabboni, that I may receive my sight. Now listen to this. Then Yeshua said to him, Go your way. Your what? Your faith has made you whole. Once again, would we be amiss if we put in there, Your determination has caused you to get well. Do you see that? He was determined to get the attention of the Lord. Do you all see that? He was determined. Because of that determination, it happened. All right? Now, let me just say this. In all of those instances, if that determination had not been there, would the miracle have taken place? It would not have taken place. If they had said, like I said earlier, oh, it's just a bad day, it's too crowded, we got you late, look, it's a bit too much trouble, we'll wait for another time. You happy with that? You see, that's the reaction most of us would have had. This is the reaction most of us would have had in a situation, oh, we'd like to go to church, but it's cold, I'll stay in bed, it's a bit... Hallelujah. But they, they said we have to get to him. They went the extra mile to get him. They were determined. They did everything they could to get him to the extent of breaking down somebody else's roof. You see? But that caused the Lord to say, your faith has made you well. Your determination has made you well. Do you see that? The same with the woman of the issue of blood. She could have easily said, and she would have been quite excused for saying, looking out of her window, I'm feeling so weak today. I haven't had proper food. This bleeding has been just unstoppable. And I'm hoping to see him, but there's such a crowd. There's such a crowd in my condition. Amen? Can you see the human thinking? In my condition, it's just impossible. It's just how many people have given up on God because they just think, oh, well, it's just impossible. You see? But she didn't. Amen? Why? She was determined. I'm going to touch his garment. I don't care what it costs. How I'm going to touch his garment. Do you know what the miracle is? If you really understand the story, he's going along in the crowd. She's coming behind him and he's going too fast. Guess what happened? Jairus comes and stops him. That moment Jairus stops him because of the daughter, who incidentally was 12 years old. Isn't that interesting? She had the flow of blood for 12 years. Jairus' daughter was 12 years old, dying. The two lives had been inextricably linked by God. And so this Jairus asking for Jesus to stop and come and see his daughter gave her the gap. I mean, gave her the gap to, you see, and the story is that 
very often when you and I are trying to get to God, we're displaying great determination. At the difficult part, God comes around and helps us. You think about, the, now listen to this, I read this the other day, the Lord in the garden of Gethsemane, you know what? He was struggling, struggling. His disciples fell asleep on him, like me. But he was struggling, struggling, struggling. You know what the Bible says? God sent an angel to strengthen him. Can you see that? When you and I show determination, show determination against all odds, there comes a stage where God's hand comes and just pulls us through. But you see, she demonstrated that determination and he said to her, Sister, your faith has made you well. Can you see the connection between determination and faith? I'm going to explain something. Once again, Jericho, here we have the blind man, Bartimaeus. It would be so easy for him to have said, you know what, I'm making a fool of myself. They told me to shut up. Maybe if he wants to. Now, this is the typical Christian response. If he wants to heal me, he'll come to me. Amen? Can you see that? If God wants to heal me, he'll come my way. The woman with the issue of blood, looking out of her window, could have said, if God wants him to heal me, he'll just know and he'll come and he'll miraculously come and, and heal me. Can you see, that's the mistake we make. We don't do our part. But he didn't. What he did say was, I don't care what you people think. You're not the people that are blind. I am, and I don't want to be blind anymore. You're quite happy for me to be a beggar. It doesn't affect you so much, but it's important to me. Can you see? And let me just say this, that if it's important to you, it's important to God, because God loves us. Can you just say amen? Don't think that, oh, well, this is important to me, but God couldn't care. Nothing could be further from the truth. God's always available. You understand? Always available. And if it's important to you and I, it's important to Him. Can you all just say amen? Don't think, oh, well, you're just Joseph. No, you're not. You're a child of the living God. But anyway, He doesn't shut up. He keeps jabbering. Not jabbering, shouting. And He doesn't give up. And it got the Lord's attention. Can you imagine the Lord just walking along with all this crowd? And above the crowd, He hears, have mercy. You understand? And when He stops, everybody stops. Then the whole thing happens. But the point I'm trying to make is, if Bartimaeus hadn't been determined to get what he wanted from God, it would not have happened. Amen? That determination is critical. All right? You can think of many other examples. The Syrophoenician woman. The Lord rejected her on two occasions, to the extent of calling her a dog. Imagine, here I am, and somebody came for healing. And I said, I don't pray for you because you're not part of our church. You're a dog. Imagine! Dear God, if our reputation is bad at the moment, after that, imagine the rumors that will go around. They call people dogs in that church. That's what the Lord did. But you know what? She didn't give up. Amen? She took the insult, but she didn't give up. She was determined because her daughter was under the influence of a demon, and she was not happy with it. And even though she wasn't of Hebrew extraction, she, it wasn't her dispensation. Her faith reached above that dispensation, all right? And she came to him, and the Lord, although he called her a dog, there's a smile on his face because he's praying in his heart, I pray that she doesn't give up. You understand? I pray that she doesn't give up because she needed to demonstrate more faith to go across the dispensational lines. That's another story on its own. But she got what she wanted. Why? She was determined. She didn't let a rebuff stop her. Amen. A lot of people get offended in church. Can you imagine? Because you're offended, you put that between you and God. Amen? I don't care who offends me. I'm just going to keep going for God. Amen? Amen. It's not going to stop me, what anybody else says or thinks or does. Are you hearing me? It's not going to stop me pushing into God. But the point is, she was determined. All right? She was determined. You think of that other parable of the persistent widow. 
She wants bread from her neighbor because she's got somebody coming to stay. The neighbor is, there's two stories. The one is the judge. She wants judgment or the other one where they want food. But in both cases, the point the Lord was making in speaking those parables is that they did not give up. And the unjust judge, very grumpily, although he didn't know God, he said, well, if I don't give this woman her righteous, her justification, whatever it was, the sentence that she wants, I'm not going to get any sleep, you see. What carried the day? Her determination. You get it? And then straight after that parable, you know what the Lord says? When he comes back, will he find faith on the earth? What I'm trying to say, there's a very close connection between real faith, and I'm going to explain it now. This is the point I'm trying to make. Real faith and determination. Would those people have had that determination if they weren't totally convicted in their heart? If that woman, and I listen very carefully, the woman with the issue of blood, looking out of her window, seeing the crowd, realizing the gauntlet that she has to run, or crawl even, through feet, and mud, in a weakened condition. And remember something, if they discovered her, they could have stoned her, because as a person with the issue of blood, you are regarded as impure, don't mix with anybody. That was the old law. And yeah, she's got the leader of the synagogue, the man who'd enforce the law right there, I mean, that must really be no, almost the last straw on the camel's back. But she kept going. Now, let me ask you this. She's looking out of her window. If she had thought in her heart, if I touch his garment, I might get healed. Would she have done it? You understand my point? If she had doubt in her heart and thought to herself, you know what? I've heard about him, people touching him and him healing, but you never can tell. It might not happen. If she'd had that in her mind, would she have had the courage to get out of her house and do what she did? No. You see, that's the point I'm trying to make. And because she had real faith, because real faith is total conviction. You understand it? She had real faith, total conviction. She was able to do what she had to do. If she hadn't had it, she would not have. And that's the condition of most Christians. We know God heals vaguely. We know sort of that he wants to prosper us. We know that he wants to blah, 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 do all these wonderful promises that he has said in his Bible. However, in our heart of hearts, guess what? A little bit of doubt. Well, you know, I've heard about it, but is it really true? You see, If we have that doubt, we will not have the necessary determination to push through until we get what God has for us. Are you hearing me? You see? Now, real faith is total conviction. You know that, you know that, you know. She knew. If I touch his garment, it's done. Because she knew that, she would do anything to get there. Those men with the paralytic, they knew. Listen, if we get this man to him, like we've seen so many other people, he'll heal him. It's possible. Our task is to get to him. All right? But they knew if they got to him, it would happen. You don't go around breaking up somebody's roof on an assumption. Do you? I think about it like this. We have these terrible cash heists. You know what a solution to these cash in transit hearts would be? To send out a few trucks with a big clown in the back. A bogus money thing. So the guys go through all the trouble. Some of them get killed. They manage to get this thing. They open up the box and there, a jack in the box. How are you doing? Imagine now, if that's so doubt in all of these gangsters, that because it's a cash in transit, doesn't mean there's money in there. Dissuade them from actually doing it. Do you understand my point? You see, if there's doubt, you won't do it. If there's doubt, people will not do it. They will not go the extra mile. If you know that you know that you know there's treasure under the ground, guess what you'll do? You'll dig. You'll dig. You'll keep digging. You'll keep digging until you get it. 
But if you don't know that it's there, and this has happened, you see, that's the big problem with mining. That's why exploration is so important. There might be the ore there, and so they dig, but there's no confidence. They don't keep going, and it's happened. Some people have stopped that far from a mother load. Do you know that? Somebody bought the mine, dug another 10 meters, and hit the vein of gold. The jackpot, there we go. Can you see? If there's doubt in you and my heart, we won't keep going, is what I'm trying to say. And that's what faith is. Real faith is total conviction. Amen? Total conviction. And the Bible says, use the promises of God. By these promises, obtain the inheritance. We have to use the promises. Why? Because faith is based on a certain fact that God said it. Amen? If God said it, that's it. Amen? Whether we feel it, see it, think about it, not. Are you with me? You see? And if we can come to the place where we allow that word to generate in our spirit, man, that total conviction, you see, we'll do something. You have to. You can't receive faith and not do anything. Because if you know that you know, you have to do something. Amen? And faith empowers us to do with confidence. You see? If you see it in the Bible, you can have it. Isn't that wonderful? You might not believe it at first, but you see, faith does something. What does faith do? Whatever it can. Amen? I'm not saying that, oh, you see in the Bible, by his stripes as he'll take your pills and throw them away. Don't do that. you kill yourself. Because you might see it and you presume. But you haven't developed the necessary faith. Because it can happen that you develop your faith, develop your faith, come to the place where you know, by his stripes who are healed, these pills are necessary. Throw them away. And then people have done that and been totally healed. Praise God. Amen? So there's wisdom in all of this. But please note something. If God says that healing is ours, guess what? Healing is ours, okay? Now that doesn't mean that it's going to fall out of heaven. We have to do something. Wisdom finds out what God wants us to do, and we do it. One of the big things you and I can do is start speaking right, amen? Instead of praying for this to happen, speak as though it's already happened, if it's a promise in the Word, amen? That's something you and I can do. And if your mind is filled with the truth of God, guess what? It's easy to start believing it. We move into it. We move into these things. But you see, when that moment comes when it is reality in our spirit, we have the faith, we act on it. Amen? And we can have assurance that God will heal us. We'll do whatever he has to do for us. I hope you're picking this up, you see. Faith isn't passive. It's a passive thing that, oh, I'm developing my faith. Well, what does James say? You have faith, show me your faith by your works. Demonstrate it. Are you with me? Demonstrate. If you can't demonstrate it, it isn't really faith. You understand? This faith is a substance. It becomes almost tangible within you and my spirit, man. We know that we know. The only way I can describe it. But once we know that we know, the demons also know that they know. Amen? They know that they know. But they're not prepared to act on it, obviously. But we've got to do something with it. You see? And it starts here. I mean, can we see God? No, we can't. He's a spirit. Is he here? He's here, am I right? So what must we do? Worship him. We can't see him, but we worship him. Amen? We act in faith. If you know that he's here, we must worship him. Amen. Do you all grasp this? It's just so fundamental. You see, faith acts. If God is our supplier, what am I doing worrying about it? Amen? What am I doing worrying about going without? Are you hearing me this morning? You see? I mean, we faced this so many times, it become habit. There's no way out in the natural. So guess what? Praise be to God. Thank you. And he always does it somehow. 
deliverance from on high. And every time a different avenue, and you don't know how it's going to work next time, but you couldn't care. Why? Because we know that we know that we know. We're here to stay and we are feeding well. Thank you very much. Am I right, my darling? We have some wonderful meals here, let me tell you. Janet is a great cook. We have wonderful meals. And in a sense, let me just say this, on occasions there's been exactly no cash available. Taken a little bit to head and had a feast. <laughs> God provides a banquet in the presence of our enemies. Isn't that lovely? Here we are. We should be eating pup and point. You know, pup and point is where you don't have any gravy to put it in. So you point towards the light. See, <laughs> pop and point is where you're really at the bottom of the barrel. It should be pop and point in the natural, but we have a feast. Hallelujah. We have a feast. Amen. We've done that on many occasions. Hallelujah. Praise be to God. A feast in the midst of our enemies. Have we ever gone starving the next day? No. What am I saying? If God is real, guess what? Act as though he's real. Amen. Amen. Faith has got to do something. Faith acts. Let me say this. If you and I continually have in our minds God is real and he's our provider and he's our protector and he's our healer and we continually rehearse that in our minds, guess what starts to happen? God the protector starts to protect. Amen. I remember one time I took Sarah back from the school. She was 10 minutes late. I was waiting for her, which is not unusual when you're waiting for your daughter. Amen. 10 minutes late, we got in the car. We passed through three incidents. Three incidents which could have been life-threatening. But because we were 10 minutes late, we came after the event. The two that I remember, one was a terrible accident at the robot. The other one was just past the SPCA there. There had been a shootout. Somebody was lying dead on the floor. Sarah and her dad just came, carried on, you know, left them to it. God protects us. Amen. That we speak it all the time. We expect it all the time. We don't expect to have an accident on the way. When we pray, we're going somewhere long distance or wherever, we say, thank you, Lord, and I see ourselves arriving there and coming back all safe and sound, and it happens every time, and it's going to happen every time. Are you hearing me? Faith acts. Faith operates according to the truth, which is what God thinks about it. Are you hearing me? But you see, when you have that faith in your heart, it places the ability to be that determined about things. Can you see that? You can demonstrate that determination that breaks through to the end. Are you hearing me? But if you haven't got that faith in your heart, and there's lurking doubt, you'll go, and when some difficulty comes your way, can you imagine that woman with the issue of blood? She's not supposed to be in public. She needs to touch his garment. She looks up, guess who she sees? Jairus, the leader of the synagogue. The very man whose ability to pronounce her unclean, in public, stone her. Can you imagine? Just think about it. She's been through all this gauntlet, and she just comes to the last few meters. And she sees this apparition, <gasps> the leader of the synagogue. Now I'm really in trouble. But guess what? She still, nonetheless, pushes forward. Did Jairus think of stoning her? His mind was on other things. He's probably angry that she delayed the Lord getting to his daughter. Because just after that, just after that, this woman's had this glorious healing. Somebody comes and says to Jairus, your daughter is dead. Man, oh man, what drama. Dear me. Imagine having a day like that. Where, can you believe it? But the Lord just said, don't worry, Jairus. Don't get fearful. Have faith. <laughs> Have faith. Even if your daughter is dead, it's not a problem to God. They all laughed him to scorn. They thought, this man is mad. But guess what? One a day. 
It's such a beautiful scripture. He took her by the hand and said, Talitha Kumi, little girl, arrived. But she stood up. Can you imagine? She started to walk. Can you just see that in your spirit? A child that is dead, stone dead, pale and cold, and everybody is mourning. In comes the Lord of life. She stands up. The beautiful thing to me is, first thing he says to the mother, get her something to eat. Amen. Even though this great miracle is concerned about how she feels. Isn't that beautiful? And God is concerned about you, how you and I feel. All he's looking for from us is the determination, which says, God, you are God. That's it. I'm going and I'm going to get from you what you promised. You see, and with that faith in our heart that God is able, it bursts that determination which will give us the strength and the power, no matter what the situation, to push through. Because God rejoices when we push through. Amen. Because then he can give us exactly what he wanted to do all the time. Amen. Let's pray.